last Sunday was the uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday, right? I share with us about Pentecost. I share with us about Pentecost is is the is the uh, uh, harvest of the first fruits, right? Uh, when Pentecost was celebrated traditionally, uh, it is to give thanks to the Lord for the harvest, uh, the uh, the uh, of the first fruits, but also future harvest, right? They set their eyes on what is to come and give thanks to the Lord for what they were about to receive. That's, that's the power of Pentecost. Pentecost is about, it's about every, every time, uh, every, every once a year that they will set their eyes on what is to come. And I want to share with us this morning about setting our eyes. We sang the song, we sang the song just now that we set our eyes upon the, upon the feet of Jesus. Having a vision of what the Lord has put before us Fruitfulness. We have talked about fruitfulness. We talk about Pentecost. Pentecost is about fruitfulness. It's about first fruits, about future fruits. Now, fruitfulness is our portion. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with us that the Lord Jesus said that you did not choose me, but I have chosen you to, and appointed you to go and bear fruits and fruits that will remain. Fruits that will last. That is our portion. That is, our, that is God's heart for our life. That we are to, we are to be fruitful and um, say to your neighbor that you are to, you are to be fruitful. Alright. And say to another neighbor, say, thank God I'm fruitful. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right. Now you may, you may look at your life and say that, well, it could be better. Doesn't matter. Today, we'll share with us the vision of fruitfulness. Set our eyes. What is a vision? Right? A vision, okay, is the ability to see our destiny, uh, the ability to see what is to come. Not just our wishful thinking, but what the Lord has promised us, what the Lord has said that our life should be. It is if it's not there yet. Because you have not arrived, right? It's not because the Lord has not, has not, has not, uh, has, no, has no power to, to deliver what He has promised. Now we've talked about vision is to set our eyes. Vision is more than to set our eyes, but vision is also to to uh, to set our hand and our feet and our heart upon what is to come, what the Lord has said our life should be. Fruitfulness, that is. Now, vision is something, it has a spiritual nature. It must be captured in the spirit first by faith. Right? Vision is not something I'm saying to you that your life is going to be fruitful. I say, yeah, my, yeah, sure, my life is going to be fruitful. Right? So you say, that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be fruitful in this area and so on and so forth. But you have, in your minds, probably you have a lot of buts, 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 buts. Right? Now, vision is, has a spiritual dimension of it. It must be captured first by faith. Faith in the God who has promised us, who has said that our lives is fruitful. Faith, not just in something that we wish to see happen, but is what God has said He will do. Vision is the visualization of success and destiny as God has put on our hearts, as God has said it. Not again, not our own wishful thinking. Let's look at what, what uh, 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 a certain portion of the scriptures in Genesis chapter 13, right? Now we'll talk about Abraham, right? Abraham was uh, living with his, in his father's household. He was asked to leave his father's house, right? To leave his father's house and go to the place and God, I will show you, right? So, so in the course of it, Abraham can, came to the land of Canaan. And this is what God has promised him, right? And he says that, let's read together. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendant also could be numbered. And in verse chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, you know, 
God has promised Abraham, so I will make you into great nations, all right? All of your, all of your, all of your descendants, nations, uh, families of the earth will be blessed. But what does it mean? So God needs to let him see. If you look at the lives of Abraham, many times the Lord said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see. Look at the land of Canaan. Look, look north, south, east, west. As far as your eyes could see, I have given it unto you. So seeing is very important. But what about the descendants? All right? So he, the Lord asked him to, 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 to say, if you can number the dust of the earth, and your descendants also could be numbered. And then in chapter 15, just now we have read, he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven, look towards the skies and count the stars if you're able to number them. Of course, we cannot number the, number, the stars. If you, if you ever look at, you know, at the stars in the clear, dark sky in KK, it could be quite difficult, right? But if you, if you have happened to be outside KK when there's less light and you stare into the skies and you can see so many stars. Now, I've tried to do this many times. You know? I've tried to stare into the, the, the sky. When I, was, when I was little, I tried to count the stars. You know? Stares into the skies and one, one section. I just count just, just one section. You know? Have a tunnel, tunnel make like that, look into the skies and kind of count the stars. You know, the, the amazing thing is that the longer you stare, do you find that there are more stars in the dark skies? He says, hey, that, that part of, 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 of the patch of dark sky, I didn't notice that there's some, you know, just some light coming forth. Hey, there's another one. Even one section you cannot count. Right? You know that there are billions of stars, right, in the, in the galaxy. Now in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15 to verse 18, again, after Abraham... Right, in obedience to the Lord, to attempted to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And uh, when the Lord you know, appeared to him again in, in Genesis 22, verse 15 to verse 18. Let's read these verses together. At the count of three. One, two, three. Then... I have not beheld your son, your only son... Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. If your seed, all in the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Not just once, not just twice, three times. The Lord said to Abraham, See, look, Visualize it. Visualize it. Your success, your future, the promise of fruitfulness in your life can be visualized. It's tangible. It's not just a concept. It's not just something about fruitfulness. Ask the Lord, Lord, what is, what is, what is my purpose Lord, how, how do you want me to, in what area do you want me, you have, you have a portion for me to prosper, to be, to be fruitful. What is my area of fruitfulness? You see, a lot of us want to be fruitful, right? I mean, most of us, if not all of us, everybody wants to be successful right, in life. But, but the Lord has a plan for His people. Now, I'm going to come to that uh, in a... Uh, in, uh, in a little while. I see our purpose of our, our, the purpose of our life as Christians, as the disciple of Jesus, cannot be separated from the purpose of God. God has called us to be His own. Even down the Old Testament, the Lord has said to Israel, You shall be my people, and I shall be your God. Now, why, why is that so? Now, because the world, I mean, the mankind has, has, has been living under sin since the fall of man. We are destined to damnation because of sin. The whole humankind has been affected by sin. And therefore, the Lord needs to, needs to bring us into His covering. 
His grace, His mercy, is to, is, it, is, it, is, it is His nature. He wants to save us. He wants to pull us out from that. And therefore, He needs to bring us in, you know, under His wings. He, he, he wants to make us His. And he, he, he can't just do that because, because of sin. And therefore, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, it is made possible. Because the issue of sin has been dealt with on the cross. And therefore, it is possible. And as I shared with us a couple of weeks ago, you know, when, when we come to a nation, we live in a nation, we come from a different nation, right? And, uh, and, and, and we come to this, this nation, we say, I, I, I used to be able to do these kind of things in where I came from. I want to do it here. No, you can't. You can't do that. Because you are, you are, you know, you are in a new nation now. You have a new identity now. You are a citizen of Malaysia. There are, there are rules and laws. There are, there are practices that have been set up by the authority in this nation. We, we can't say that I want to live my old life in my own nation, you know, in the new nation. As I shared with us a couple of weeks ago, those of us who are not here with us, you know, that in, the, in KK, you can see these mini buses. You follow them. It's K bus. He said, bus berhenti henti. Now, in the early years, when these mini buses were, uh, were, 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 were started, they actually, actually, they lived to their, to their slogan. They betul betul berhenti henti. You have two bus stops in between, right? And they, can, they don't stop at the bus stop. They stop in between here. So sometimes you follow, you know, you just, you, you just follow from behind the mini bus and suddenly you stop in the middle of the road, bah, like that. so you honk at them and say, what is wrong with you? The bus stop is over there. So we have a passenger wave his hand and uh, so we stop. Lah. So we say, you can't, there's, there's a purpose for bus stop. That's why they're called bus stop, you know. <laughs> the, the place where buses stop, you know. He said, no, no, where we come from in our nation, we can stop anywhere. But you say you are not in your own nation now, you're in Malaysia now. You can't do that. So we say, but I, it's convenient, it's all the reasoning, all the rationalization. It's convenient to the passengers, you know, we don't want them to miss the bus so that they will not go, be able to go home, da da da, and all that, all that. No, this is not how this nation works. So when we become Christians, when we come under the kingdom of God, we are saying we're the citizen of the kingdom of God. Hey, behave like one because in the kingdom of God, there are, there are, there are practices where you will be covered. You know, when this, this bus driver can continue to do that, what will happen? They will lose the protection from the law. In fact, they will be, they will be summoned and all that. They may ask, oh, why, why, why? Already so in my country. It's so, so, so difficult, my life. And I came here for refuge. I thought this nation is good to me. Here you penalize me. Why, 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 God, why, God, you know? <laughs> Sometimes in our lives, we, 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 tend to, we tend to have this kind of experience. Become Christians, they say, why, Lord, why, Lord, why are you doing this to me? I thought my life is going to be, you know, different. Pastor this morning says, you know, we are destined for fruitfulness. But why, Lord? Why, Lord? You know, in the Bible, God's people also have asked this question before. Okay, we're coming to that. Okay, uh, next slide, please. The purpose, the purpose of our life cannot be separated from the purpose of God. The vision of our personal fruitfulness as Christians is closely connected to the corporate vision of the church. The Lord called us to be His people. He has a plan and purpose for the world. He wants to, he wants to redeem the world. In Jesus, yes, but through the church. The church is to preach the message of redemption, agent of reconciliation, the introducer of redemption and salvation in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. We cannot come into the kingdom of God and say, Lord, I want to live my own life. Yes, each one of us is un are unique. We have our own individuality. 
We have our own individual, gift, individual giftings and, uh, and all that. Yes, we are to thrive in that. Not everybody can do everything. Paul described us as the body of Christ. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes and so on. But we all work towards one thing, that is to please, that is for the purpose, uh, work, uh, 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 towards the purpose of God. A lack of corporate vision in the church could hinder the personal fruitfulness and destiny of the individual disciple of Jesus. Now we will look at that in the scriptures, right? It's not what I say, right? Uh, people function sometimes, Christians are not excluded, function and live as if their life is independent from God's purpose for His church. We want to do our own things. We come to God's church and say that, no, 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 God's, your, your church is not right. No? Just like a foreigner has come to our nation and say that, you know, no, 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 Malaysia is not right. Thank you very much. You can go back to your nation, isn't it? And a, a, lot of, a lot of this happening in, 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 in not just in Malaysia, in many parts of the world as well. Migrants come to their, 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 their uh, you know, their, what, what they call this? Migrants come to their uh, country of adoption, right? And say, your country is not right. Your laws here are not, are not good. Then go back. And, and, and sometimes we come into the kingdom of God, we come to God's church and say that the church is not right. Huh? Unless the church is really living out of God's purposes. But if the church, if it, 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 if it is in the purposes of God, then how, is, how can it be not right? Because we cannot agree with it. Because we want to live our own purpose for ourselves. Be, uh, above God's purpose, then thank you very much. Then the Lord said, I'm not going to budge, you know. I'm not going to budge. You, you heard a story about the lighthouse and the aircraft carrier, right? Yeah, aircraft carrier and the lighthouse. Right. I'm going to repeat the story because I, I think I've done, I, I said, I, I told the story many times. So let's look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. For God's people, as I said, it has happened before, right? In Haggai chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, let's, let's read together. Haggai chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. Haggai 1, 9 to 10. Okay. The computer is not functioning to the purposes that I wanted. Okay. <laughs> let's, read, let's read anyway, okay? Haggai chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Now this is about the, in the time of the prophet Haggai, after the people returned to, 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 uh, to Jerusalem, and that is what they, they experience. In fact, if you read Haggai chapter 1 and 2, Haggai only, only, two, only two chapters, right? Haggai chapter 1 and 2, you say that you know, the people of God describe themselves as if they have earned something to put into a pocket that has hole. It's not that they were not fruitful, they were fruitful, they, they, they have received fruitfulness by put into a pocket and pocket got a hole, so it disappeared. And, and uh, yeah, so, so the people of God ask why? And the Lord said, this is why. Because of my house that is in ruin, right? Why every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew. The heavens above you withhold the dew means that your fruitfulness, your harvest is going to be affected. And the earth withholds its fruit. That is not right. Now, because, because, because when, the, when, the, when, the, when the remnants re re returned to Jerusalem, they were busy building their houses with panel, with wood paneling. Wow, nice house, huh? Like resort home. 
But they left the temple of the Lord, the worship of God, the house of God, that, that is meant to glorify God. That is the temple of God that is, that is, that is meant to represent you know, the centrality of the worship of God in the lives of, uh, of, uh, of Israel. They have left it, they have re- relegated it to a secondary purpose. And God said, no. You are my people. I'm your God. That's why you are fruitful. And you say that, wow. Pastor, this is, this is like, you know, like a trade-off, isn't it? You build God's house, God will build your house. No, it's not a trade-off. If we, if we understand as a trade-off, then we have severe uh, flaw in understanding our world and our relationship with God. Remember the story, those of us who are not him, I, I remember telling the story again. This one, this one, I think, you know the story about the chicken rice shop boss, right? There is chick, this, this, this uh, chicken rice uh, uh, boss uh, in, in KK. So one day I was queuing up to, to, to buy chicken rice and, uh, and, 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 this, and this, this elderly man, not really old, but slightly elderly man, came to the boss and Ready or not, he said. Oh, oh, the, the boss said, hold on, hold on. There are a lot of people. And uh, so, and this, this elderly man just walked around and then just for a little while after that, came back again, became very impatient. Why is it so long? Oh, so this uh, chicken rice shop boss, okay, okay, coming. Pack, pack, pack. And then pack one pack, uh, give it to him. He took the chicken rice, chop like that. So long on uncure. So when my turn came, I say that your your relatives are. <laughs> I said, no, it's not my relatives. I see this man roaming around this shopping area every day. You know, and lunchtime come, I observe him, he doesn't have food to eat, you see. So I started to, to pack the, the chicken rice and I said, yeah, for, for you. So from that time onwards, every day he has been coming. <laughs> now let me, let me put it, <laughs> not to the story before you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, this is. Uh, now, if his assumption is, if this man's assumption is, it is his entitlement to have that pack of chicken rice every day. It is his entitlement. Memang hak dia, hak dia bunya. So if it is his entitlement, he's supposed to have the first premise, premise number one, you should have chicken rice every day. That is your right. If it is late, of course he has a reason to be angry. Isn't it? Where is it? Where is it? My chicken rice. Now you know that the assumption is wrong. That premise, the first premise is wrong. Everything else to build upon that premise in any kind of uh, argument, it will not stand. If that premise is correct, then he can say that, why, why, why? Why no chicken rice? Why so late? I'm angry with you. I'm not going to talk to you. No, the premise is wrong. The whole reaction responses thereafter are also wrong. Now, what is the correct premise? It is grace. It is grace. If he knew that, with the first premise is that I have no money to eat lunch. I have no right to claim any chicken rice. That is the first premise. The second premise, this chicken rice shop boss say that I will give you a pack of chicken rice free of charge every day. That's grace. Can we demand grace? No. When we have grace, what, when we receive grace, what do we do? Huh? 
What do we do when we, when we receive grace? Give thanks and show grace. We can say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. But how do we know that we are truly thankful to grace which we receive? Is when we're able to show grace. That's how we know. So come back to our relationship with the Lord. Is it our entitlement to have a good life? Is it an entitlement even to have a breath in us? No. God say, when you sin, you die. When we sin, we still sit here, we have the breath in us. There's grace. Every morning when you wake up, when you brush your teeth, when you look at the mirror, you see the, the mist. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I have breath. With every breath that I have, I give thanks to you. The problem with this rights movement is this, that it makes people feel that they have certain inherent right. No. We have no inherent right in life. When we have been given life, respect, love, honour, that's grace. And we say thank you. You know, I learned this, uh, I, I, didn't even, I didn't quite understand this. My English teacher in my secondary school always taught us to write letter. He said, whatever you write, end with thank you. I say, why? <laughs> and we say, from that point onwards, you say that it always worked. It just helped people to understand that you are thankful. Uh, she's a Christian. I still meet her from time to time. I still remember her and, and, she, and, and she also remembers me. So even right now, it's, uh, sometimes I issue a legal letter of demand. Very, very fierce one. And say that uh, if you do not reply this within the, the seven working days from the date of this letter, legal action will be taken against your client without referring to you any further. Thank you. <laughs> it's always work because lawyer always call up very nicely talking to me because I say thank you, ma. <laughs> so really, I, all my letters I end with thank you. All my WhatsApp messages I, I send to you and then you say, well, what was that? I say thank you. If you don't believe me, you check my WhatsApp messages. <laughs> really, it can be cultivated. But if we understand our life, our relationship with the Lord, first of all, first of all we'll be thankful. Secondly, in expressing thankfulness, we'll be gracious. Give people another chance. Right? Now, identifying, we've talked about the duty of vision, right, in our, in our cell, in our cell mat matter. And it says that duty uh, of vision is, is a Jesus, Jesus vision for team leadership, right, uh, for the church and also for, uh, to, to redeem the world, to impact the world. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus has commissioned us to do all, this, all that, right? We are to win souls for Jesus and make disciples of the multitude. That is a direct command of the Lord. The Lord has expressed His heart to us. When you're my people, I love you to bits. I want to be present in your life. I, 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 I enjoy your presence. I enjoy your worship. I, I take care of you. I cover you. I protect you. I will be faithful to, to you according to my words. But God has his purpose to, to, to call us his church, to call us his people. That is to, to be part of his redemption plan for the world that is already dying in sin. Not because of climate change, I'll tell, tell you. The world is dying not because of climate change. It's because of sin to win souls, to redeem souls of Jesus and to make disciples of all nations. And we also talked about it a couple of weeks ago, to make every believer a leader. Don't be afraid. 
right? You feel that I'm not a leader. As I mentioned, that if we can lead somebody to know Jesus, you are a leader. You are a leader that helps another person to bear eternal fruits. You are a leader. The characteristics of the Judeo vision is this, that it is more than just numbers. It is about discipleship in relationship. It's about discipleship. It's about relationships. Discipleship is never just, you know, having to attend classes. Disciples are not made in classes. Disciples are made when we in in, in, uh, impart our lives, our faith to another. It's in relationship, always in relationship. And in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 7, the number of 12, uh, as I mentioned also, that uh, you know, in all the Jewish governing councils, the, the council member is always 12, right? If, if, if we have, uh, uh, you know, a DB Jerusalem, <laughs> Dewan Pantaraya Jerusalem lah, uh. DB Jerusalem. The council member will always be twelve, right? So, this is one example in First Kings chapter four verse seven. And Solomon had twelve governors over all Israel, who provided food for the king and his households. Each one made provision for one month of the year, right? Now, team leadership, as I mentioned, that the Jesus. G12 vision, uh, the, 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 he, why he called 12 disciples, it is because he wants to introduce team leadership. Right? Team leadership and governance, 12, and governance, 12 is the number of governance in the sense that we look at you know, birthing of God's people in Israel and the church and so on. But it is about team leadership. Multiplication of effective ministry and reproduction of Christ-like characters can happen in the team leadership. Now I mentioned this uh, before, but just like to like to highlight uh, to us, how does it work? It's because in 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 uh, in, uh, in effective ministry, when we do it in the team, we back each other up. We are not making decisions independently. We are we are we are we we can lean on the corporate wisdom of one another, and it is always ensure continuity. If a team doing these things, if one person is absent, the other person steps right into it because he knows exactly, or he or she knows exactly what is going on. He knows, knows he or she, or she knows exactly what needs to be done. Team leadership, right? Uh, it is also the reproduction in a channel in which that we can reproduce Christ-like characters. If I'm a man on my own, I make all the, the all decisions, I don't need to work with people. How do we... How do we, one of the ways to reproduce Christ-like character is to put people in the, in the working relationships. Then you see how the person handles disagreement and conflicts. Then that's how a person matures, isn't it? Now this is, uh, this is management 101, right? Leadership 101. Team leadership, when, when, when the, effect, the leadership is effective, ministry is effective, then we can reach the multitude. It is the gateway, as I say, to revival, which we talked about last week. Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 26, verse, uh, to chapter 2, verse 1. And let's read together. And they cast their lots, and the Lord fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. In Acts of the Apostles, we read from chapter 1, Going into chapter 2, you know the original writing of Acts of the Apostles, there is no chapter 1 and 2. The chapter was put there by Bible translator. Original text, there was no, just, just paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. So we look at, we take away the uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 uh, division. We read this as one. Judas Iscariot died, committed suicide. After he was so guilty, he found himself so guilty uh, of betraying Jesus, and the 12th apostle become, became 11. So it was so important for the group to fill that place, which they actually did, right? They, felt, they, 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 they filled the uh, empty slot that was left behind by Judas Iscariot with Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles in the same breath when the day of Pentecost has fully come. When the day of Pentecost has fully come, not just because the day has arrived, it is completed. 
it has set the stage for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, rec- and the receiving of the Holy Spirit by the apostle. And they were all with one accord in one place. That we talked about last week, right? Burning forth of the vision. What is that vision in, 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 in a nutshell? In a nutshell, right? The vision that the Lord has given to us can be accomplished in this four simple stage. Number one, it is to win souls. It all started with winning souls. To share the gospel with power and win souls for Jesus. Not, not just share the gospel intellectually, not just share the gospel in the effective system, but with power. People, people need to see, wow, your Jesus is powerful. What you're talking, it really makes sense. It, it, it really works. And what you're talking here is real. Not just because it is, it is the Bible tell me so, but it is real. We need to win souls. It's always start by winning souls. Yes, Jesus asked us to make disciples of all nations, not just make believers, but disciples came from believers. There needs to be a point of conversion. Somebody needs to believe and became a, become a believer because, uh, before he can be a disciple of Jesus. Number two, when a believer has, has come to know Jesus, we are to nurture them, bring people to encounter the reality and the power of Jesus. Becoming Christians is not just, you know, uh, believing in a set of principles, or moral principles, no matter how good they are, but it is encountering Jesus himself. Number three is to disciples, train them in ministry, walk with them through the journey of faith, teaching them to conquer in the spirit. That's what we have been doing uh, uh, with a lot of us. We, 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 we pray with you, we pray for you, we pray together, but that is not all. That is not all. To reaching the multitudes in which is the, is, is, is the purpose of God, there must be sending as well. Commission them to go and plant new cells and win souls from the 12th and so on and so forth. It is a cycle to win, to nurture a person, to go through classes, all that, but to disciple another is to, is to share life. Is to share life. That which this church is very good at. But there's a lot of the time that we stop there. We're very good in that. Right? You, you have an issue, you call up your brothers and sisters, they come around you, the pastor come around you and pray with you and you encourage and you do likewise with other people. You know, all this is all well and fine, but it does not, it does, it is not, it is not complete without empowering somebody else. Empower another person. You're going to do likewise. You're going to do Likewise. If you, are, if you are living in the church, it says somebody come to you and say, I want to know Jesus. Hold on, let me call, let me, let me give you Pastor Margaret's number. Then you know that we have not come to that stage. And people come to you and say, you know, I have bad dreams. Uh. In the middle of the night, I feel somebody strangle my, my, my neck. Look at it, got, got mark. Uh. I this one, uh. call Canon. <laughs> No, if you have come, you have not, you, you, we have, this is, this is how the church looks like. We have not, we are not complete with the model of team leadership. Some bigger churches, whoa, this one is serious. Uh, I give you the deliverance department number. You call, die the deliverance department. Those ghostbusters can, can help you. <laughs> they don't have the siren, but they can help you anyway. But you keep, they, they keep calling the deliverance department. Everybody calling the deliverance department, the number got jammed up. So he told the person come back uh, to us and say, hey, deliverance department cannot get through. You wait, la, you wait. La. <laughs> you, you wait for another night. La. Let, let the thing strangle you another night again. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it so? Huh? We need to empower people. People say, yes, I want to come into that ministry. I don't know how to do it, but I want to learn how to do this. 
Otherwise, the church will not multiply. If the church does not multiply, the kingdom of God cannot multiply in the society. And society is not impacted. Nation cannot be changed, cannot be transformed. And we come back to square one and we lament, why, Lord, why? <laughs> because one priest, one pastor, they work until they drop. That's what we pay the pastor for, isn't it? Work till they drop. That's why nobody wants to be pastor, isn't it? <laughs> Every year, you know, the youth conference, oh, come, you know, serve the Lord, to be a pastor and all that. Nobody wants to be because they see, they see with their own eyes. They don't need to have a vision. <laughs> My pastor, take uh, off also people can look for him. Oh, yeah. Take off to Mufongo gear. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to be a pastor? <laughs> now, in fact, this is not just our situation. It is, it is, it is a hugely the situation in many parts of the world. You see, when churches are growing like, like mushroom, you, you can look at that. You can look at places, nations, when churches are growing mushroom, like, like mushroom. Why is that so? Because there is a decentralizing of ministry and leadership. Sharing of leadership in the team. Everybody is equal, respectfully equal. Respectfully equal, I say respectfully equal in the Lord. And that's why the ministry grow. When we have the vision, run with it, run with it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. Let's read together. Then the Lord answered me and say, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. If we have captured the vision, as I mentioned, that our vision of personal fruitfulness is not, in the, is not, in the, is, is not cannot be independent from the vision of God for the church, for the corporate vision of, for God's people if you like. What is the corporate vision for all of us in Desert Stream, in the Diocese of Sabah, in the Church of Jesus Christ in Malaysia? What is that vision that God, what is the purpose of God? We, we sometimes ask, Lord, what is, the what is my purpose in life? As I mentioned to you many times in this church that you know, you read the book of Purpose Driven Life, chapter one, line number one. What does it say? It's not about you. It's not about you. That, that was, was one of the, you know, one of the rare, best-selling Chris, Christian books. Second only, I believe, to the Bible. People are looking for purpose. And Rick Warren say in his first chapter and first line, just first line, and then we'll move on to the next paragraph. It is not about you. It's about God if we refuse to, to, to accept that framework, that first premise, and we try to build on our lives, our ministry, in fact, also, our career, our pursuit in life, based on our own premise, and we say, God bless me, do you think it will work? God will surely be gracious to us because He is gracious. Because he is gracious. Sometimes we have children, you know, they, they don't know what they want. You know, they, they, they say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And you know, you know, as parents, you say that this is not the best for you, my son. This is not the best for you, my daughter. But because you are my son, you are my daughter, we always love them, we will be gracious. But you know that our prayers for our children is that, that you will not just depend on grace that you find the purpose of life as God has intended for you. That's my prayer for all the young people, for my own daughter, for all, for all the children here. Uh, they, 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 want to, they, want to, uh, they want to come to a church that's lively and all that. Yeah, we give it to them. 
if it helps them to find the purpose of God in their life. Do it, preach it, live it, persevere in prayers. And if we take care of what is on God's heart, He will take care of what is on our heart. This is a statement that I often find it is so true. It is not a trade-off, my dear friends, as I say, that if our first premise is wrong, it is not a trade-off. We are living under grace. We are living on borrowed time. Haggai chapter 1, verse 9, again. Just now we have read, you look for much, and indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I brought it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house is in ruins, where every one of you runs to his own house. Tomorrow is the, uh, our Mangata Anglican Church uh, fundraising bazaar. Right? If you have not bought your tickets, after, after I share this story, I hope that you will buy coupons. Right? Now, this is not primary to, 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 to publicize their bazaar, but I feel that it is so important. Let's look at the church. Right? This, yeah, this, the, 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 the bazaar is um, uh, 8 in the morning until 4 p.m. If, uh, they, they only accept coupons. Coupons are available for sale here. Now, this is their, this is their church, right? From the outside, it's uh, uh, almost completed. Uh, next slide, please. This is the night view. Wow, so beautiful, right? This is the night view. If you happen to drive past that area at night, this is how it looks like. Now, this, the whole project uh, costs uh, about $3.7 million, right? including fittings, peer system, all, all the rest of it. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the building cost is, I think, about two, 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 just slightly over $2.1 two, two, now, they'll pay up to 2.1 million. They still need 1.6 million. The building is almost completed. Okay? Uh, after this, when we, sh- when we show you the, uh, the, the, uh, the video during the announcement time, you see the interior. It's very nice. Uh, Ren Sabri took me for, uh, for a tour. So I went up there and said, wow, this is amazing. Uh, they still need 1.6 million. They don't have 1.6 million. Right? So what, what, what to do? Right, they already paid 2.1 million to the contractor. What to do? Borrow from the diocese. The diocese is lending them uh, over a million uh, so that they can pay the contractor, get the church done while they are still raising funds to pay that 1.6 million. Right. They have about 500,000, about 700,000, so they still need approximately 900,000 to a million. Right. Rents will be just texted me and WhatsApp me the final figure, praise the Lord, don't know how the money came, came in, the money came in. Uh, they were able to, to have that. But anyway, they still need about one, one, one million ringgit. Uh, tomorrow, target for bazaar sale is 100,000. Right? Uh, they have food, they have uh, children's program and, uh, and, and I know that. Now, what I want to share with you about this, this church is this, that. When I visited uh, the, the, the church and I said that, who are, the, who are the contractors? So he told me the contractors, they are non-believers. Then I said that this project is very unique. I look, walk around, there's no altar, no topikong altar. And there was a little hut that was built, uh, part of the construction kind of thing. Uh, looks like it was meant for that. So I said, no, this contractor knew that they are building the church. They just say that if you build the church, you don't, you don't put up these this, uh, altars. And they agree. They agree. You know why, why they agree? He said, you know, because they built a previous church before, not in KK. He said that the church required them not to put it up. They didn't put it up. And he said, when, he st- when they started to build it, and I met the contractor, a 70-over-year-old uh, man. And, you know, in the course of this construction, the contractor on his own initiative reduced the price for close to half a million ringgit. And I said, why? He said that building churches are very peaceful. 
No problem. I don't have bad dreams. I build any project, and sometimes at night I struggle with all kinds of things. Building churches are no problem. Very smooth. It progressed so well. Uh, give you discount. Uh. <laughs> you more tango. <laughs> now that is not only that. The supervisor who is also an old man. <laughs> I met him also. <laughs> I look at him and say, "Hi, how are you?" So he said that Chinese. Uh, huh? One day the supervisor came to Rensabri and said that, "Can I bring an offering to the church?" Non-believer. So he said that because I see that your God is really good to you. So he gave. I said, Papa, they are, they are bagi. Bukan alang alang oh. Now that is not it. The construction worker, during the weekday, approached the church staff. We like to give offering to the church. Construction worker, not Christians uh, and of other religion too. Is there anything to stop me from giving money to the church? Because I'm of a different religion. Of course the church staff said no. And ask him why. Because I've been so blessed in this project. You know the projects uh, also kind of uh, went on during the lockdown time, you know. They were so thankful. So I looked at Rune Sabri and said that our God is great. You see, it's nothing about a trade-off. God is, does not need our money. And I'm talking about, in the book of Haggai, it's not just building the physical house of God. The book of Haggai says that my house, it didn't say my temple. There's a difference between my house and my temple, isn't it? My house is my household. My, my people. The house, the house that, is, that is to be called the house of prayers. Where I meet my people. The house where... Where, where I, when, I, when I promise that I will, I will meet my people, when my people will come and worship me, my house means the worship of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Isaiah. For my house should be called a house of prayers. When nation will come, Gentiles will come. That is his vision, that is his purpose. The Gentiles will come together will worship the God of Israel. That is his heart. Whenever we tap on to what is on God's heart, God will, will, will come. It is not a trade-off. Because you see, why do all these people give money like that? Why do they even give a reduction of the construction price? Because they were thankful. They were thankful. Why do we give? Why do we give our money, our time, our energy? Why do we give our life to Jesus? Is it because he demanded it? You don't give, uh, he will take it away from you. I know a lot of these talks have been going on uh, in the world, uh, no, 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 uh, not here. People are saying that, wow, you're Christian God, uh, you don't believe in him, he's going to punish you, he's going to kill you, no? He's going to send you to hell, no? Because the first premise is already wrong. To say that if you don't believe him, he will punish you, he will send you to hell based on the premise that it is our fundamental inherent right to go to heaven. It is not. It is not. We are all doomed for hell. So are the people who are around us. Now, when some people do not know Jesus or my friends when they die, I, it saddened me most. Most. How can nice men like that, nice person like that, die without knowing Jesus? And I've been his, I've been his, I, I've been their friends. If I have not shared Jesus with them, I will say that, wow, Lord, 
can I say that, you know, I'm thankful for my life, thankful for Jesus, thankful for the grace that I receive from Jesus, the salvation, the hope of resurrected life. I probably can't say that. So my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what is your vision for your life? Is it only for our own satisfaction? Or is it say, Lord, I'm so thankful for you, what you have done for me. I will give whatever that I can. This is the last days. This is really what the Lord says, huh? On the, in the last days, there will be, there'll be foreigners who come and, and bless you and nurse your children. People who do not know the Lord. People who are clearly still worshipping other gods has blessed the building of the church. What of us? What of us? And I say to this, this supervisor whom we put my mat, I say, I hope to see you again. Come to our church. Want to talk to you more about Jesus. He's very open. He's very happy about it. I say, you, 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 you build this church. You give money to this church. And I say to you, you can be part of this church. So he was quite happy. So, Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. What is our vision? The vision that the Lord has given to the people of Israel in the time of Haggai, when things were not going exactly like what they, uh, they would ex and, uh, expected it, and say this. Let's read together. The glory of this later temper shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. That is what the vision that the Lord has cast for His people. The, the truth of matter is this said. So we say that, is there a trade-off? Must you do all this thing? Christian must do all this, all this one. The truth of the matter is this, when we actually capture what is on God's heart, we will only want to lift up what is on His heart. If we truly capture what is on God's heart, we, we, we will not want to do anything else but accept what is on, 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 uh, on His heart. Next slide, please. We, we, today, we, we, we had the, uh, we just completed, we just finished our youth conferences, uh, uh, three language in three different locations, east and west, as well as uh, in Tulubit. A lot of time we, that we, we, we look at young people, you know, what, what do young people actually look, are looking for? In every generation, every generation of youth, no matter how you define one generation of youth is, you know what they are actually looking for? Do you remember what you were actually looking for when those of us were way past our youth age? <laughs> what were you looking for? What do young people look for? They are looking for a cause to live that is bigger than themselves. They're looking for greatness, wow, the greatest generation. What will excite our young, young generation is to give them a vision bigger than themselves. Otherwise, they will never be satisfied. And I find that as senior as forerunners, we have a duty, we have a responsibility. Do not, youth, do not leave youth ministry to young people. We are the one who will cast the vision bigger than life, bigger than anything else the world can offer. A worthy cause to live their life. And we show it and we say that, look at me, look at my life. I've given all to the Lord. It must mean something. The young people are looking at the senior. We have a lot of reservation. We are a very careful calculator. They do not see a vision bigger than life. They will all go elsewhere and look for it. 
Why do churches keep on mushrooming? mushrooming? Why do young people, why, why did Desert Stream come out to be Desert Stream? Because we are looking for something bigger than ourselves, bigger than life. And never forget, we were once like that. We would say, young people are idealists, they are dreamers, but what has caused us to stop dreaming? What has caused us to stop pursuing our dreams? What has stopped us from believing in the ideal? Don't lose that vision of greatness. Don't lose that vision bigger than life. If we lose it, we become old. Old is not a matter of age. Huh? I can be 60, 70, 80. I'm not old because I have a vision bigger than my life. When young people look at our, wow, you, this, this, this uncle, uh, this auntie, uh, chasing after bigger than themselves, we will inspire them. They can find something. Finally, life is worth living. And want to encourage us to today let, let, let the Lord give us a, a, a vision bigger than ourselves. Let the Lord show us. I shared with us this before. Those of us were in Desert Stream. And I said that if I knew, you know, when the Lord called me into, you know, to serve Him in ministry, if I knew how tough, how difficult it is going to be, I would have said no. Honestly. I, I, I wonder whether Abraham would stay still, you know, in Genesis chapter 12, huh, when God said, leave your father's house, go to the land where I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you, your name great. I'm going to make you, turn you into great nations. But the Lord didn't tell him that you're going to meet with famine. You're going to struggle in faith for 25 years before you have the promised son. You're going to, you're going to with your own hands, you're going to put your son, Ishmael, on the donkey and send him up to the desert to execute him. You, you're, going to, you're, you're going to bring your nephew Lot and this Lot is going to be getting into trouble and nobody's going to come to your help. And you need to master, gather your own household servants or all the abang and kaka, I think, to rescue this Lot, risk your life for it. You're going to go through all this. You're going to go to a land when people are not going to be friendly with you in the first place. And this Lot... Your, your nephew whom you, have, whom you have risked your life and the lives, the lives of your servant to rescue him, he's going to fight with you, he's going to part way with you. And his end is going to be so terrible. Everything that he had is going to be destroyed. You're going to face the greatest challenge on your faith when I ask you to sacrifice your one and only son. It's a sacrifice to me. If God were to, told, were, to, were to tell Abraham all that, I'm not sure whether Abraham would say, I will go. You see, the Lord gave us a vision. I said it many times. The Lord gave us a vision. This is, He always declared the end from the beginning. The journey, you just need to trust me. You just keep the vision alive. Keep looking at the vision. Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at your lack of resources, your weaknesses. Leave that aside. Hold on to my hands. I will walk with you. I walk with you and you will walk with me. I'll be your God and you will be my people. Let's walk together. Every trial, every temptation, every challenges, Every challenge, I will walk with you. I am with you. Look at the scriptures. How often God says, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. When you walk through the water, wow. Promises and promises and promises and assurance and assurance and assurance. You know why God needs to do that? He says that the journey is going to be tough. But the end is always better. It's the best that I've given to you. And I say, Lord, so, I'm so thankful you didn't show me what I need to go through. I would have said no. And the Lord knew that, you know. 
Better don't tell him. <laughs> Teach him to trust me. Don't look at the future as if that it is, there's no hope. Look at what the Lord has in store for us and say, Lord, you are faithful. I'm going to arrive there. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to rationalize things. What you say alone matters. Would you, would you say this to the Lord? What the Lord has cast before us, would you say that to the Lord? Lord, I will give my life to you. Let us pray. Lord, I, I come to you and I and I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you even that when you asked me to, to, uh, to go, you didn't give me the details. Not for that, I'm truly thankful. I'm, too, I'm thankful for an exciting journey. I'm thankful, Lord, for the vision that is bigger than myself. So much bigger that you have given to me. And I pray, O oh Lord, that I will never live my life otherwise. Out of the focus, out of the focus of the vision that you have given to us as a church, as your church. Lord, thank you, Lord. What can I do? How else can I respond but to say to you, Lord, I agree with your vision. I agree with your purpose and I choose to align my life with your purpose, with your vision.